Verse 10, chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord. Paul writes, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I'd have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father, fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem who, to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But when I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, in what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And this is amazing. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. God, you are, you are so faithful and so good, and I pray that this morning would be uh, just full of life, continued life-giving service today where we can draw near to you, be made more aware of how amazing you are, and also grow in our faith, whatever that looks like. For those who have not yet put their faith in you, and for those who have been putting their faith in you for 50, 60 years, God, I pray all of us would see growth because of your word, not because of mine, and that your spirit would move powerfully in this time. I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to share a little bit about um, a woman who was born in the mid-1800s. Her name is Mary Slessor, and maybe... Some of you have heard of her. She was born in Scotland in a, and lived in a town called Dundee. And she came from a very poor family, very poor. Her, uh, you know, during that time, this was like the 1850s up until the, you know, 1860s, 70s. So a lot of industrialization was happening all across the globe. And at a very young age, her and her mother and her sister were working in the mills. They were, they were factory workers young. She was, by the time she was 14, she was already a, a skilled weaver. Her father was an alcoholic and therefore just did not provide well for the family and, and really forced the family into this kind of living conditions. And it was bad. It was difficult. They all lived in a one-bedroom house. And it wasn't just her, her brother, sister, and father. They had five other siblings. So it was about eight or nine of them living in a one-room, not one-bedroom, a one-room house in what we would call the slums of Dundee. 
And yet there was an amazing faith that was alive in her and her mother. Really, it started with her mother. Her mother was a devout believer, a Christian, and instilled that faith into her daughter. And it it caused uh, Mary to want to be a missionary. She wanted to leave Europe, leave Scotland, and go travel across the ocean to Africa. So at the age of 28, she got on a boat. And sailed to Calabar, which is what we would know as like southern Nigeria. So you get on a boat in the 1800s. You know, this is not a luxury cruise. This is five weeks on a boat heading to a land where literally she had no context for. Now, there were missionaries already living in that area. But once she got there and served there for a little bit, she learned the language very quickly. She... um, built up some skills, and she decided, look, there's too many of us here. I want to go inland. I want to go further into the bush, into the jungles, and minister to the tribes that were in there. And in, in those areas, there were, there were no missionaries. There were no, they never saw, those tribes never saw a white face or a missionary at all, ever. And what was amazing was that she she wanted to immerse herself so much into the culture. She got rid of the Victorian you know, dress that the Europeans would wear. She cut her hair very short. She ate the local food, which was a big deal because back then the missionaries would often just eat the, the food that was shipped in. And that was expensive. You had to pay for that. And so she was still supporting family members back home in Scotland. And, and she decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat the local food and I'm going to that's going to allow me to send more money back home to mom and sisters so that they can have a life that is manageable. And so many challenges you can imagine going to this new place. Climate is so different, super hot. Uh, You have disease that you're not used to. She contracted malaria pretty quickly and battled that for most of her life. She um, was confronted with superstitions that the local tribesmen would have, right? I mean, they, they believed all kinds of, of, of strange things, and there was witchcraft and a lot of issues that were just very foreign and scary for a, a woman by herself out in the jungle. And one of, the, um, one of the issues that she really had to struggle against and fight against and combat, which she felt a calling to, was were the killing of babies. See, especially twins. When twins were born, they saw the the local people in that region, they saw it as a curse. They thought one of the twins was an offspring of the devil. And because they had no idea to tell which one, they just were going to cover their bases and they would kill both the babies. They would leave them in the, they would just abandon them in the jungle. And often the mom was exiled from the community as well. So Mary, one of her missions was to go out and get these babies when they were left, before the animals got them, before disease got them. That was, I mean, as you can imagine, you're alone in this foreign country. You're starting to build relationships, community around, and all of a sudden, you're you're confronted with this this atrocity, and so she would run out, and she, she became a mother to this whole region, and she would hear the words, run, ma, run, and she knew when One of the locals would come in yelling that, run, ma, run. That meant their babies to be rescued. And so she would go and she'd rescue these babies. And she ended up adopting nine of them. 
She rescued and adopted nine of them, rescued without adopting countless more. She was there for over 30 years. It's an amazing story. She would stop battles between the two tribes, like often tribes would want to fight because of a dispute, and she would run in between the two tribes and, you know, <laughs> stop. And, and she, would, she was, became a negotiator for this, this land. I mean, it's just unbelievable what this red-haired, blue-eyed Scottish girl, what she could do, what she did. She ended up passing away at the age of 66 in Nigeria, and her legacy lives on in some amazing ways. It's fascinating. Don't you love stories like that? I, I love stories. I love to hear about how God uses people in the most unique ways. From, and the best stories really happen when there is no, you know, the underdog gets it, right? The underdog is the one. That's that's. It's why we love Rocky and we love the movies like that and stories like that because it's, it's someone who has no chance. If you were to just write their story on paper and say, okay, this is where you're from, this is who you are, you could really never amount to much. And God yet takes our stories and he uses them for the most amazing things. We all have a story we all have a path that we walk on that has taken us from where we were to where we are to where we're going to be. And no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your life's journey, man, you, your story is, is still being written. I, got, I was thinking as we were singing, I, I, after I prayed for moms and, you know, all these different circumstances, I came down and I sat next to my wife and my daughter and I'm just going, like, I was thinking about my daughter and saying, like, God, your story for her is, is just starting, and yet there is so much that I want for that, how that story to look and be written, and so much I want to write for it, but I know that he has a story written out for her that she's going to walk through, and as much as I want to protect and guard from all the pains and the things that I was praying for and thinking about, that, that God has so much ready and laid out for her to walk in and my job is not to write her story but to lead her to trust in the one who's writing the story and that's what we're talking about today of, of believing that that God is writing a story for you and that your story no matter where you are is powerful and that it can be used no matter who you are and where you think you fit in the big picture of life and and Christianity or not Christianity or wherever that God takes our stories and he, he shapes them for his glory and for his purposes. How are you handling the story God's writing for you right now? Because these are the questions we have to deal with. Right? We all are in, in situations in life where we have to deal with stuff. We have to confront challenges and struggles and joys and the not joys and understanding who God is and understanding the gospel will fundamentally impact how we answer that question and how we, how we see God shaping our lives and our story. 
God is working through your story more than you can imagine. And the gospel takes your story and turns it into something amazing. See, that's what's happening here. That's what's happening with Paul. He's, he's kind of sharing some of his story here in the end of Galatians. And his story is unbelievable. It's fascinating. And if I could recap a little bit, you know, we started last week talking about the first nine, cha- uh, nine verses in, in chapter one of Galatians. And I, I let you know that Paul is writing this letter. It's a letter to the churches in this region, in the region of Galatia. And he started these churches. He loved these churches. He built these churches and he raised up leaders and released these leaders to lead these churches. And then he left the churches to go start more churches in other areas. And we see right away in this letter that he is not happy. He's upset. He's struggling. And so we asked the question last week, well, why, why is he so upset? And it's because why? They were taking all the foundations that he taught and laid that had to do with the gospel, and, he, and they were abandoning those foundational principles. They were abandoning the gospel. They were distorting the gospel. False teachers were coming in and they were saying, no, 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 that's not really the gospel. The gospel is this. And so Paul was getting, was getting frustrated. And so we talked about last week, well, what does it mean to distort the gospel? It means to add something to Jesus and his work on the cross, right? We talked about Jesus and, and I asked you, what are your ands? What's, what are those things that you are adding to the to the work of Jesus, to the Bible? What are you adding to God's word to, to show that you are godly or better? Or, and I hope you've been thinking about that. I hope you, you wrestled with that this week. Performance, that is the enemy to the gospel where we take, this is what it looks like for me to be a good Christian. It means, yeah, Jesus did his thing, but also I got to do what I got to do and I'm going to, I have to measure up or else God won't love me or God won't accept me or others won't accept me. And that is a distortion of the gospel and that will cause great pain and trouble in our lives. So this letter is Paul's correction of that, that Nothing added to Jesus gets us closer to God. We put our faith in Jesus. That's what we do. That's what God is calling us to do. And so one of the other questions is, well, why is Paul so upset that, that they were messing with the gospel? And it has to do with his story. See, Paul was, was so upset with these guys, not only because... It, this is a, an offense to God, but also his life was so changed by the gospel, by Jesus, that he, he's living in this reality, looking over and saying, I cannot believe you guys are, are abandoning all of this. He, it, it's, it's what's going on here. It's what Paul is talking about because these teachers were coming in and changing the gospel, but then they also were saying that Paul didn't understand the gospel. That's part of why he's writing some of these things, right? You see it. He says in verse 11 and 12, this gospel isn't man's gospel. I didn't get it from people. I got it straight from Jesus. You're like, why are you saying that over and over and over again? Because these guys were coming in and they were saying, yeah, Paul didn't really understand the gospel. He got it somewhat right, but we're here to fill in the gaps. And let me tell you what it means to really be a Christian. You got to be Jewish first, and then you can become a Christian. You have to get circumcised, or you have to obey these laws and these rituals. And Paul is just going... 
you, you think I don't understand what the gospel is? He's saying, I, I, I got it right from Jesus. In verse 16, 17, when I did receive it, I didn't go and talk about it with the other apostles. So what is he saying? He's, he's saying, I didn't just hear about it and then go learn more about it from the other guys and then build up my story and now go tell. No, no, he's, he's saying, I am I got this right from God, and, and I thought about it, and I, 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 I waited, and then I came to you guys. And then in verse 20, he says, I'm not lying. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, just kind of right in the middle there, you see that little parenthesis, like, what I'm writing to you is true, I'm not lying. He's just driving this hard, driving this home. He's saying the gospel that I preached and built these churches on was not my idea. It was God himself. Has anyone ever tried to make you feel like you just don't get it when you really do get it? And you get it more than they get it? Those, that drives me crazy. You know, when someone's, you know, when someone tries to tell me something that I really know well, and you know, you want to be humble in the moment and not be like, look, I've forgotten more than you know about this thing. Not that that happens much. I remember this one time I was, um, I, uh, I belong to a gym uh, in the area, and um, I, I coach there on the side. I've done it for years and years, just a part of me connecting with community and just, just doing stuff that I love to do. We actually have some folks from that gym here. And one, one time we were getting set up, and there was another guy in the gym who wasn't a part of our gym. He rented space from us. And, and if you know me, like, I, I just, I sing a lot. Like, I walk around singing often. That's part of, like, my background. And I used to be a worship pastor and all that stuff. And so I, I just will, I'll be singing, right? And if the radio's on or things, I'll be singing and singing. So we're there early in the morning. And sometimes when I'm singing, I'm not trying to be amazing. I just, just like singing, goofing off. And so I'm singing in the gym. And this guy, you know, he's laughing and we know each other. And he's, he says, he's like, hey, hey, don't quit your day job. It literally was my day job at the time. Like, I literally was working for church as the worship pastor where it was my job to get paid to sing. And, you know, and what do you do in that moment? You, you know, I'm not going to write a letter and start, you know, hey, I'm really a worship pastor. I'm not lying. I can sing better than this. Or let me show you this. Like, hold on. Let me really. You just laugh and you go like, and it makes for a funny story, you know, that I could share with you. But literally, I, I just, you know, and those things happen from time to time. And I think that's why Paul is just getting so worked up. Of course, it's because it's an offense to Jesus. Like, that's his main priority. But he just understood the gospel better probably than anybody. He, in, in the sense that he understood how it changes a person better than anybody because Paul was changed by God as much or more than anybody in history. He literally was killing the church. He was literally trying to destroy the church. If you read the book of Acts in chapter 7 and 8, um, and especially uh, chapter 8, like, you know, we have our little subtitles. They weren't in the original scripts, but in the subtitle under chapter 8, like, you'll see a little line that describes that section. In my Bible, it literally says, Saul is ravaging the church. <laughs> I mean, he is out for blood, and his name used to be Saul before God met him and then changed his name to Paul. That's why there's that change. But, I mean, it's, it's, he's dragging Christians out of their homes, taking them to court so that they would be executed. He stands 
and judgment over the execution of one of the Christians. His name was Stephen. And he's, he, he not only approves of it, but he's like the coat check guy. They're all putting their coats down by his feet while they take stones and they're stoning Stephen and killing him for being a Christian. This is the same guy who's writing this letter. Isn't that crazy? Because then chapter 9 comes in the book of Acts. And in chapter 9, God meets Paul. In a moment, he goes blind. Jesus is revealed to him. And he says, I'm changing your name from Saul to Paul. And I'm going to build my church with you. And and you're going to suffer a lot of things because of, of me and not because of the bad things you did but because of this is your calling in life and, and get ready because you're going to be more influential than probably anybody else in human history in building the church, the Christian church. And these guys are coming in telling the church in Galatia that Paul doesn't get it and Paul's going, I, I don't even know what to do with this. He says, I get it. This is what Jesus does. This is what the gospel does. It changes us. It changes everything. Paul, God used all of Paul's energy and his passion for what was once being used for evil to destroy the church. And he just redeems all of that. He, he pays for it and he turns Paul's life into a totally different direction to what once he was killing. Now he is building and building and building. And he eventually loses his life for the building of that church. This is what God does, and this is how he changes our lives. And so as we talk about the gospel being the absolute foundation of our lives, which is, that's the series, the foundations of life. It's the gospel. How does the gospel impact our story? Because it's going to be different than Paul, but it's still going to be powerful. It's going to be used for building God's church and, and, and loving people and serving people. The gospel shapes your story. It shapes your story. Are you letting it shape your story? Moms, we know, man, well, I mean, I know kind of what it's like from a distance. It's hard. In any category that you find yourself as a mom, spiritual mom, a mentor, a physical mom, an adopted mom, a foster mom, a mom who has lost, a mom who... All of that is full of God writing a story in your life and then you going, this isn't how I wanted to write it. I wanted it different. God, why are you writing it like this? What are you doing? I don't understand. And we want to just change our story the way we want it written rather than the way God wants it written. And this is the, the push of this message today. It's just like we need God to move powerfully in and among our stories and, let, and see how the gospel shapes it and redeems it. Because when we, when we see how the gospel shapes our story, it changes our focus. It changes our, 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 our goals, our passions, our pleasure. Paul says it right in verse 10, right? 
He's like, am I, am I seeking the approval of man? Or am I seeking the approval of God? That's a big statement, right? One we all could ask ourselves, like, what am I doing? How am I living right now? As, as moms, as dads, as workers, as sons and daughters, as family members. Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? And Paul, I mean, he's, he's bringing it, right? He's bringing the heat to these guys and saying, look, the gospel is of utmost importance. It needs to be preached. It is powerful. And you guys are wrong. You're missing it. And he's saying, look, I'm telling you this because I want to seek the approval of God more than I want to seek the approval of man. And so he is, he's bringing that news. And so we have to understand we are not the focus of our story. As much as we want it to be, as much as we want to be the center of the universe, because that's generally our problem as humans, we just want to be it. And we want everything to revolve around us. And God's saying, look, there's a different story happening. Jesus is at the center. He is the one who the world and the universe and our lives need to revolve around. And so <laughs> we, have, we have to wrestle with this. The gospel is the main story of our lives. And so what it does is it takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it onto God. And so Paul says that you can't live to please God and to please man. He says if you're living to please man, you can't really be a servant of Christ. And sometimes we just want it all, right? What's that saying? You want your cake and you want to eat it too? It's like, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to please God. But also I really, as I please him, I want him to make things so that I'm, pleased and happy. And we have this problem. I have this problem, man. I, I want to please everybody often, including God. But the, the gospel helps me shift that focus. It helps you shift that focus from what do I want, right? This is the question that we all have to deal with. What do I want? And then the gospel comes in and shifts our eyes, right, to say not just what do I want, but what does he want? And that's what, that's what God does, man. Yeah, for those who have kids, you have little kids, sometimes, you know, their attention is 4,000 different directions and, you know, you're trying to talk and they're looking at different ways and sometimes you just have to, like, you know, gently grab their face and you turn them so that our eyes meet and you, then you say, hey, <laughs> wake up. I'm talking. Just kidding. Or, you know, what will please them, right? This is the thing. What will please them into what will please him? This is our life. What will please them? But really, we need to look at what will please them. Not what will please them. What will please him? And once we get there, man, this is freeing. Because, look, if we just look around this room, it's not a huge crowd. This is big enough. If we care about pleasing every single person in this room right now, oh man, what a, what a job. We're so different, right? Thank God we're different. It's a good thing. But because we're different, we're just going to have all kinds of different preferences. God has very specific preferences, very clear passions and desires. And we, the good news is we get to see what they are. We get to read about them in the scriptures. We can look at his word and say, okay, oh, this is what God's like. Oh, and this is what I'm like. This is what pleases God. This is what doesn't please God. And this is what the gospel is. And so the gospel frees us 
That trusting in Christ brings God's full pleasure and approval. If you're wanting to know, man, how do I please God? How do I please God? It's, it's, it's trusting in Christ, putting your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins, realizing that, yep, we're sinners, man. We got problems. It's not just my son who, you know, or my daughter who's looking all over the place. That's me, right? I'm looking, all, God's talking to me, and I'm, you know, looking at the cool car over there or at the lake or wherever, and God, you know, sometimes has to grab my face, turn my gaze, sometimes with a smack across the head and say, hey, son, um, let's get back to what's important here and understand where your, where your priority and your focus should be. And so we trust in Christ and that brings pleasure and approval to God the Father. And then because of that, living for God, we can live in a way that pleases him. Not because you gave enough money this month to charity or because you were super nice to your spouse or because you didn't get so mad at your kids this week. But because of Christ and what he did and trusting in him that if you did get angry at your kids or you did blow it at work or you did whatever, God redeems that. You go to him and he says, okay, if you, I forgive you. We're going to keep working on it. Let's... Let's keep moving forward. I still love you as much as I ever did. Do you see how this frees us? This is freeing because it gives us both the assurance that God loves us and then the motivation to live for him. That's what we need, man. We need assurance that, like, sometimes we just go through life like, does God like me? Does he not like me? It's like, it's just simple, man. Faith in Christ, God sees Christ in us when he looks at us. He doesn't see how we blew it today or yesterday. He sees Christ and we go to him every time with that. And that's the assurance we need. And then it gives us motivation, man. We're like, all right, dad loves me. Dad loves me. And I'm going to live for him, man. I'm, I'm not going to blow it this week because I just, I want to serve God with my life. I want to give him everything that I have. And I'm going to love people. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to do that because it just doesn't honor my father. And I want to honor dad. I want to honor father. And as wonderful as that truth is, when we take the flip side of it and we try to please man, holy moly, it's bad. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. That's in the wise book of the Bible. It's called Proverbs. That's the wisdom book. You want wisdom? Look in Proverbs. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. That's what pleasing man is. It's fearing man more than fearing God. And so God says, look, if you're going to live like that, it's going to be a trap. Every step you take, you're going to try to please the 200 people sitting here. And every step, it's like it's going to snap you up and you're going to be bound up and you're going to be constantly troubled. And that doesn't mean you get to be a jerk to everybody. Like, well, I'm not here to please you. Just pleasing God. So... No, no, that doesn't please God either, right? That's the, it's missing the point. We love people and love one another and seek the best for them because we're trying to, we just love to please God. That just changes our approach to all of it, to everything. It means we don't base our decisions on how everybody else will react Moms, how you raise your children 
People are going to have all kinds of visions and opinions for how you raise your family, how you lead your family, moms, dads, everybody. Man, you have one person to answer to, first and foremost, and that's God. We chose a, a strange path for our family. We homeschool our kids. It's because we like getting weird looks from people when we say we homeschool our kids. It's super fun. Like, ugh. Don't they, aren't they weird? Don't they become weird when you do that? Isn't that like, how do they have friends? Like, we're taking care of it. Like, we get it. We know. We've made lots of decisions as a family that maybe someone here wouldn't agree with, would agree with. You've done decisions in your family that maybe others just don't. You have to answer before the Lord for everything that you do, and you have to come with that kind of conviction and be soaked in who God is and reading his word and praying, and then you, you, get, to, you get to understand who God is, and then those decisions start to happen, and then when people are like, well, what are you doing? You're like, look, I, this is just what I believe God wants for our lives. Back off. changes your focus and when that happens man your perspective changes it turns from now god god can't use my story to now god will use my story no matter what has happened see this is what happens right we Generally, our perspective is, I'm so messed up, I've done so much wrong that God could never use me for anything special or important. Or I'm just not good enough yet. I'm not like them. I'm not like that couple who's got it all together and God, look at, what they're, look at how God's blessing them. I'm not like that. I'm too, I'm too tainted. I'm too broken that God couldn't use me. Friends, I'm, I know there's people in here who are thinking those things. You're thinking, I've failed as a mom. I've done so much wrong in my life. God redeems your story and turns it to something amazing, and he will use you. Paul, come on. Look at that. Look at verse 13. You've heard of my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church violently and tried to destroy it. Do you notice some amazing words there? Persecuted violently. There's not many of us that have that on our resume. But look at what it says before that. What's those two beautiful words? My former life, my former life. Like God changes your life. He takes what was and he turns it to create something beautiful in the future as you step forward. If God can use him, God can use you. If God used him, God will use you to do amazing things. Don't walk in, in this defeatist mindset. God wants to use your story to, to do unbelievable things. It may not be to build churches like Paul did. It, just, it, it may be to build a family that is breaking the chain of brokenness that has existed for generations. It might be building a, a business that will honor God in so many ways where others are just trying to figure out how to get ahead. It might, you just fill in the blank, man. God is going to use you to do some amazing things. If you just submit your life to him, he will take all of that brokenness 
and failure, and even the good things that you think, well, I've been really great my whole life. Well, Paul said that too. He's like, look, I was, I was ahead of the class in Judaism. I was the best Jewish guy around. So he says, I was advancing behind every, and look, former life, man, God is not using that or the, the killing He's not holding the good and the bad against him to build this new life. He is just using it all and, and turning it to something amazing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. If God can use Paul, he can use you. And so I want to encourage you, look, let it shape not just your focus and your perspective, but let it shape your message. Tell your story. Paul's not shrinking back. He's saying, he, he, he's putting it out there for the church. It's like, look, you remember He's not saying, I used to do, you know, I wasn't always the nicest guy. He's like, I used to destroy the church. And he's putting it out there. And this letter would have been read in all the churches. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not trying to, to draw attention away from it. What he does is he takes all of that, all of that brokenness, and he says, God has made me whole. And he is using that wholeness now to change the world. Don't hide your story. If you're thinking, I don't want to tell the people in my life, what I was or what, who I was or what I was like, you need to break that. That's pride. And you, need to, and you need to trust God to take that story and to change people's lives through it. Man, we, we've been fighting through Nikki's cancer over the last year. And people have often come up and, you know, she's been doing these videos about her hair growing back. And they're like, wow, so brave. Or like how not everybody can do that. And all we are, we, we don't think we're anything special. And I know Nikki would say this. She's just like, I want to take this brokenness and use it to help people. We want to tell our story. We don't, we're not trying to hide and make it look like, oh, nothing bothers us or this is, everything's fine. Like, no, this is terrible. It was rough. And yet God has taken all that and he has turned it into something new and beautiful. And man, we want to bless the socks off of other people who are going through difficult times. We just want to be that for others. Tell your story. Don't hide your story. Don't fear what others are going to think because if you're living for man, it's going to be a snare. It's a trap. You live for God. He takes that story and people aren't going to just judge you or fear you or hate you or marginalize you. They may, but again, that's not your problem. That's their problem and that's their bad. God will use all of that to, to serve his purposes. And look at what it says right at the end. This is unbelievable. Paul talks about all of that. He, he talks about how the church and how people were pretty surprised that he was preaching the gospel, right? He was the murderer. Now they hear like, oh, Paul's starting to preach. Look at what it says in verse 24. It says, and they glorified God because of me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Do you want God... Do you want people, others, to glorify God because of you and your life and your story? Or do you just want to hide in the background and say, like, oh, God can never use me. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Listen, fight against that with everything that's in you and push in to, to who God is and trust that he can use a guy like Paul. He can use a guy like me. He can use a guy and a woman like you to do amazing things and, and be an agent of God's glory where people are like, Holy cow, I can't believe what God has done in their life. It, praise the Lord. That's what it means for others to glorify God. The murderer Paul turned into an agent where others were glorifying him. Unbelievable. 
church. Let's stand. We're going to do a couple things here. I want to pray for us. And I want to ask you about your story. You might be in here, and, and your story hasn't really begun with the Lord yet. You, you, you've held back. You said, I don't, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I, I don't want to follow Jesus. But maybe today you're realizing that there's a need for that, and you want God to come into your life and to change your story. I want to invite you to pray to him today. There's nothing magical or mystical about this. You're not going to have to come forward. We're not going to identify you in any embarrassing way. But I want to pray for you. And I want, I want you to pray to God, asking him to come into your life and to change you and to take that story and flip it and use it for amazing things, for his glory. And for those that are Christians, I want to encourage you that God is using you and will continue to use you more and more as you step in faith towards him. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your story so that when you, you can start seeking opportunities, not just so that you can, you know, sing on the stage at church. I mean, that's fine if you want to do that, but in your workplaces, your families, and God wants to use you in such unbelievable ways. Step into that. Trust him. Ask him to grow your faith, to increase your faith so that you can live for him in powerful ways. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And then we're going we're gonna to sing and we're going to take up our offering in just a minute. But let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, thank you, God you use broken people. You use brokenness, broken stories, really, that aren't broken, that they're just written differently than we would want, and you use them to bring wholeness to this world and to bring glory to you, God. And I just pray for everyone in here that they would see the gospel as a shifting focus explosion of everything that we, we want to hold on to, to just see you take all of that, all of it, and use it. And that it changes everything. The gospel changes everything. It changes. It shapes our stories. And if you're in here today, friends, and you don't know Jesus, I just want to pray for you. And I would just ask you to pray this with me quietly in your heart before the Lord. Just say, God, I, I need you. Save me broken, I need to be made whole. Would you come into my life? I, I want to trust Jesus with my sin and be made whole with my Father in heaven. God, we believe that there are people in here who are being changed right now as we speak. We pray in Jesus' name.